favorite people in the world, Samantha Button and Matthew Irby. We're going to be talking some uh, baseball playoffs. Those are up and running. We're going to talk a little NFL action. We've got a couple games we're going to take a look at. But first, let me check in with these good friends of mine. Irby, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a long, a long work week, but a good work week, a productive one. And then, um, you know, hey, sports world, you know, we're baseball Football definitely are big things here, but uh, got to touch on what's happening overseas. Formula One's got another champion again, a repeat championship. Red Bull's Max Verstappen, uh, with a good handful of races left in the season, has absolutely dominated the year. Uh, he's got 12 wins on the season, one short of tying the all-time record for a season. And, and Red Bull has been absolutely on fire, and I know there's some controversy there that Samantha could jump into a little later, but... but uh, but yeah, happy for for Verstappen, Red Bull. Quite, not quite as exciting of a season as last year, where it quite literally came down to the final lap. Uh, so a lot less controversy, but absolutely dominating performance from uh, Verstappen this season. Yeah, this was cool to see, and I think you know as much as a lot of our complaints, you know, the American audience like does not love things that are like foregone conclusions this early um so last season was a little bit more exciting especially because that was kind of a changing of the guard after lewis hamilton so very very cool stuff but look max just incredibly dominant season super cool fun to see um also worth noting in the f1 universe um the the issue of going over cost which okay red bull that's understandable but the other team that was over budget Aston Martin. And Irby and I were dying laughing when we found out about this because, like, what did they buy? Like, what did you spend that money on? <laughs> like, like, I could just spend it on snacks? Like, where, where did it go? Um, so just tremendously weird situation there. I mean, I, I can't even, I can't wait to hear the explanation for this because, you know, we're not getting a straight answer on this. But, like, I cannot wait to hear how this gets justified. I mean, I don't know. Whatever, everybody, like, throw, throw your best guess out there. What did Aston Martin spend their extra money on? Was it snacks? Was it something else? Like, did they get a pet? Do they have a mascot now? Guys, what did they buy? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. This thing was weird. <laughs> it's, to, to put it in perspective, if you haven't paid attention to the, um, from the cost cap, um, what she's referring to is the 2021 season, in which Aston Martin finished eighth out of 10 teams, so this would essentially be like the Washington Commanders going over cap. Like, what, what, how, what did you spend? But whatever, whatever. I know there's probably Carson, jo Carson Wentz, Lance Stroll joke in there. Um, but yeah, that one was, uh, 
That one was tough. You get one team, yeah, wins the championship, the driver wins the championship. Makes sense, kind of. And and I know there's lots of litigation fun that's going to be fun to watch how it plays out because they're saying they didn't. They probably did. Punishment will be all that fun stuff that we get to do in the offseason. But, yes, I, I'm with you, Samantha. The Aston Martin was so much more fun of, y'all went over? <laughs> what happens when y'all don't go over? <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I, wow, like, that's another good question. Like, I, I don't know. I just, I can't, I can't. I mean, it's the, the commander's analogy is perfect. Like, the, the sewage raining from the ceiling into the stands at the commander's stadium at, at FedEx Field, and yet you're over budget. Like, what did you buy? Like, you, not plumbing, not plumbing. Not non-expired beer, since we know Dan Snyder was selling expired beer at the stadium. So that, that's perfect. That's a great football comp for those of you who don't follow F1. You're now the commanders in this situation. It is commanders, not Washington football team of F1. Yikes. Did, did they overpay for Carson Wentz, too? Is that something they did? <laughs> oh, my God. Now representing F1 in America via the Washington commanders, Carson Wentz. Could you imagine? I cannot think of a worse person to take over an F1 car than Carson Wentz. It would be like Latifi rolled up with Daniel Ricciardo rolled up with I don't even know, Irby, give me another one. Um, I Roman Grosjean. Roman Grosjean. I don't know where that car is going to go. Um, oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> anything else on the, on this one, uh, there, there, Irby? Before we get into uh, into the baseball playoffs, anything else you want to add here? Uh, no, 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 no. It's just a fun thing to see. Um, like we said, it's a change in the guard. What Red Bull's doing, they could still will probably win the constructors championship. Ferrari uh, making grounds. It's a good new era for the sport um, as they continue to Americanize. We will have three races here in the U.S. next year. Uh, in a couple of weeks, the race in Austin, unfortunately, the championship wasn't there. Um, but definitely, definitely a fun season. Um, and then the top two teams, Ferrari and Mercedes, or Ferrari and Red Bull, great season. But uh, Mercedes, yeah, they'll be back. It won't take long. <laughs> All right. Samantha, how about you? Anything else you want to add there? No, no, nothing oh, else. <laughs> Although now I can't stop picturing Carson Wentz trying to drive one of those cars. I can't get that out of my head. This is how people die, bro. This is how people <laughs> die in auto. It wouldn't be any worse than Latifi driving. <laughs> I, you say that, but... <laughs> you say that, but do you really mean it? Think Carson Wentz throw a football? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into the division series of the MLB playoffs. Now, as we mentioned last week, we have already... Filled out our brackets, um, and I could just, you know, speaking for myself, I've already got a couple of L's on this bracket. It's, it's behaving, Samantha, very much like my basketball brackets do. Uh, it starts off really great and then just goes to complete and total horseshit. Uh, so the, the division series kicked off last night. They, they, we had four games yesterday, two today. I think it's like we go back to the American League tomorrow. Is, is that right? Do I have that right on the schedule? So um, let's. 
go through here. Like, let's, we're going to do exactly the same thing that we did for the wild card round. I'm going to ask these guys for the, the, the series they're looking for, the, the ones that they're looking forward to the most, I should say. Uh, so, uh, Samantha, let's start with you. I think I know the answer to this question, just like I did last week. But uh, which one are you looking at closely? I, yeah, and regarding your, your March Madness comments, I'm happy to report that nobody's bracket busted in the first round. So we got that going for us, right? <laughs> Nobody busted in the wild card round. So, you know, we're, we're okay so far. And I also worth noting that I think we mentioned this last week, but, you know, we made all our picks ahead of time. So when we tell you who our picks are here, um, we made them before the first game of these series were complete, um, which will probably be evident when you see my picks, at least. Uh, <laughs> but um, speaking of a pick I made that, that did not go my way in the first game of the series, obviously, of course, I'm going to be talking to you all about Guardians-Yankees. So, um, game one, not great for the Guardians. Um, I think, look, this is probably going to come down to how long the starters last, and how exhausted the bullpens get. So advantage Cleveland in that way, and it's part of the reason, other than the fact that, of course, I'm going to pick the Guardians, that I think they can win the series. But um, the issue, I think, for the Guardians is this, you have to be able to hit. And they've been putting one or two runs on the board uh, all through the postseason. You know, look at the scores on all those games yesterday. You know, it's, it's three runs was the lowest, and, and that was a team that lost the game. So have to be able to produce runs here. And I know everybody's made a big stink about the home run thing. And, and for the record, you know, that all of the Guardians runs have come off of home runs. So this whole idea that the Guardians don't hit home runs, well, that was what the excuse people were using to put them out against Tampa Bay. And I think everybody here felt pretty confident that the Guardians would take that one. And they did in two games. But look, New York is a much tougher customer than Tampa Bay, much, much tougher, and they have a much stronger offense. And the concern, I think, is that the Guardians won't be able to keep up, and that at least when we look at game one, they had every opportunity to to do so. And, you know, they had bases loaded with one out against a very rattled Garrett Cole, and they got nothing out of it after the Quan home run. So that's the kind of stuff that's going to come back to haunt you. Got to change that. First game of the series probably going to rain out tomorrow. Sorry, everybody. Believe me, I'm as frustrated as you are, but the wow. forecast looks really bad, which means now we've had a needless off day today, and then we're going to have another one tomorrow, and then we're going to play four games in a row. So I guess advantage Cleveland um, because, you know, exhausted bullpens. Probably Cleveland fares better than New York does under those circumstances, but weird, weird scenario of two days off in the middle of a playoff series probably what we're going to end up with. Oh, God. You know, and that's the... That's the rough part with this new format, right? Like, like you know, if, if you get a rain out, it just it just throws the whole thing completely in disarray. Irby, how about you? What are you thinking here with this series? Yeah, I guess a rain out. Oh no, wait, we don't want a rain out. We don't That's want right. a rain out here. We don't oh, want man. a rain out here. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Um, yeah, it, it, interesting um, how game one went for the uh, for the for the DNs here, where it is is similar to game one with Tampa Bay, where there was get them on, get them over, but they weren't getting them in. And it's a different world. I mean, I should say game one. Game one and two, the entire series against Tampa um, that Cleveland had, where you're getting them on, getting them over. Fortunately, there was not enough. Like, Tampa had no answer for Cleveland's pitching staff, period. So eventually, Oscar Gonzalez runs into one and takes care of business. It's a, like you said, it's a different story here. You've got when you're getting them on and you're getting them over, you've got to get them in. 
because this is a different team. This is a much more potent New York team. And um, i not as concerned overall for the series right now where you've got the one. I mean, it's Garrett Cole. It, look, the Yankees have got to win the Garrett Cole starts, and they've got to find a way to get another win in there somehow. So this is right where they had to be. If, if Cleveland wins game one, uh, and I'm New York, I'm freaking out just a little bit. Obviously, they wouldn't be, but, but you understand the point of you've got, you had to have won that game. With the pitching matchups there, you had to win that game. So we're on par right now, Cleveland. I mean, as we've seen for <laughs> probably the last three months, there's no panic. There's no concern. It's just even kill with these guys. Uh, win, loss, doesn't matter. They're going to show up to the ballpark ready for business. All right, so even though we are on game two, if we ever play it, uh, let's go ahead and pick this one. Samantha, who do you have here? I'm still taking the Guardians, which you guys know I was going to do no matter what. But, look, Cleveland has a huge advantage in terms of pitching. And I think that a lot of this is going to, I think, lean on game two. If Cleveland can come out of New York and go home with a split on the road, I think they're in really, really good shape. I think they will probably be able to win the next two games at home, especially when you look at the pitching matchups. And also, this is going to be a tough one. For New York, because Bieber has been pitching very, very well. So it's a lopsided pitching matchup here. So you steal one in New York, you're probably good. I'm still taking the Guardians, and I'm taking them in four. You know, that's the fun, the, the fun part about the division series. Every every time this comes around, it's like you, you get that split. If you're the, the road team, you get that split, games one and two, then all of a sudden you have home field advantage for two out of three. So it's always fun when these division series do it that way. Irby, how about you? Who are you picking here? Uh, quick and easy, yeah, same same exact pick. Uh, I've got Cleveland, um, and for the same reason, the pitching, you know, where if you, you just got to sneak one of the two in New York, um, and the matchups are in your favor at that point. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sticking. Even though down one, I'm, I, I picked Cleveland at the beginning, and I am sticking with that pick. Well, you know, unfortunately, uh, I, uh, I, I had already picked the Yankees, and I'm going to stick with that pick. I, I love the Guardians. And this is why you will not be hearing from Bo on this podcast anymore. <laughs> <laughs> He's been thrown out of our friend group. And that, does, uh. that, that does not mean I'm not rooting for the Guardians. I, I, think, I think I've been clear on that. Yeah. Uh, yes. you know. he, he said he wanted the Guardians to win the World Series, guys. So, so don't worry. Don't worry. He just wants to get one wrong. He wants to. He wants to get this series wrong. That's all it is. This, this is exactly what it is. You know, maybe, maybe I could take my regular season powers of uh, of smiting and apply it here. You know, like I picked the Yankees, so obviously they would lose. Can't hurt. Maybe. Maybe I did. All right, Irby, how about you? What series are you looking at? Yeah, so the one I'm looking uh, a little closer is the other one going on right now uh, over in the National League, the Braves and the uh, the Phillies. Uh, and, and kind of a similar situation uh, for the pitching staff, and then focusing on Philadelphia in this situation, where going with uh, Ranger uh, Suarez yesterday, and obviously he would have pitched in Game 3 against St. Louis, but they didn't need that. And so he goes out there in Game 1 against Max Fried, and call it a layover, call it that, stre- you know, that, that, that stretch of not pitching while having the bye, Whatever it was, I, I Philadelphia hot bat stayed hot. Max was not on. It did not look great. And Ranger, who <laughs> seemed to be juggling, I don't know, uh, I flaming bowling pins the entire time, didn't really get burned that bad. 
And so what it sets up is what, you know, while we're, we're, we're recording tonight, what's going on right now, where it's Zach Wheeler. It, I, in Atlanta, like all, they, all the Philadelphia leaders, they needed a split. They got the win, and now they have Wheeler, who has dominated the Braves the last couple of years. He's on the mound. They've got a lead, and, and it's good Wheeler tonight so far. So this is, this is where Atlanta, you know, hey, the, the offense that we've seen for the last month, everything we've seen there, it's got to show up, and, and it's got to show up, you know, in the next hour. <laughs> yeah, as, as we're recording this, I also want to comment his pitch count is absurdly low. I would love to see where this ends, like, like where he ends up. With his pitch count, but uh, yeah, Samantha, how about you? What are your thoughts here on this uh, Phillies Brave series? This is interesting because Philadelphia took essentially the same gamble that Cleveland did, which is to pitch their third starter in the first game of the series instead of resetting their rotation and taking the ace on short rest, which really paid off for Philly. I mean, it was you know, as far as he, he had a bit of a rough time, but but he made it. Um, you know, they were smarter than Cleveland was. You know, Cleveland was the Terry Francona rarely, rarely makes mistakes. He left Quantrill in too long. And, and Suarez, yeah, he had an interesting outing. Um, but he got out of it. And so you've already got your road split then if you're Philadelphia. It's almost, you, in a way, you kind of got a game to give in game two in this game that's that's live right now while we're recording where it seems like nobody can hit anything. And last night, or excuse me, I guess I, I should say Tuesday night, um, because you are not listening live. Uh, <laughs> I do it too. It's okay. <laughs> Tuesday night, everybody was hitting everything. So very interesting. Much stronger pitching performances for both teams tonight, which for the Braves, I mean, really, really needed that. Right? Like Max did not look sharp. I mean, Irby and I were talking during this game, or during the game on Tuesday, and we were saying, hey, you know, this kind of feeds Bo's theory that, like, sitting and resting isn't great. And even Cole did not look terribly sharp. Um, in his first start, uh, you know, the other, and nobody looked sharp uh, in the Mariners Astros game. So uh, Berlander was a disaster. Um, so, Bose, your theory is looking real good here um, in terms of the fact that it does hurt you to sit, uh, particularly for the starting pitchers. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, this is an interesting series. I, I want to give a little credit to the Phillies who we didn't, most of us didn't even think, well, I know I didn't think we'd even get out of the first round who looked quite good yeah you know that that's it's, it's just a theory and i think we're going to need a couple of these postseasons to really get traction improving said theory so i'm not ready to go for my doctorate just yet um however uh the braves you know even though they, they put some runs on yesterday right now as an offense they look like they're still on the bye week let's pick this one irby who do you have here yeah, so even down a game, I'm sticking with Atlanta. Um, I know difficult to repeat, but but I, I trust this offense. I trust this core. Uh, they, you know, they're they're getting a performance from Wright today that is matching what Wheeler's doing. So it's a matter of if you can get to the bullpens, it's figuring that out. And in a low-scoring game like this, I, I like what Atlanta can do to manufacture runs. I like what they can do the rest of the series. I, I you know, even if they go down two, the Braves bats and their overall pitching staff. Uh, I'm not betting against it, so I've got Braves. Yeah, I do too, and and I, well, I have to. I have to take the Braves. Obviously, I'm, I'm sticking to my original bracket, as we promised you guys we would. Um, and I don't have another choice because I actually had St. Louis matching up with them. I think you did too, Irby. Did we all have St. Louis? I think we all did. Have... So anyway, so everybody. Everybody in our pool had St. Louis. <laughs> yeah, everybody had St. Louis. So yikes! And, and luckily for all of us, I believe we did all also have the Braves coming out of this series with a win. So. Um, 
yeah, no choice there. Although I would tell you that if I were picking this live and I was not beholden to the bracket and I was not following the rules, I might take Philly. Although that would kind of be cheating anyway, wouldn't it? Now that we're a game and a half into a the bit. series, as I'm bit. saying this, so can't do that anyway. But yeah, no, I took Atlanta way back at the beginning, and I would have taken them before the series started as well. So, yep, Braves, Braves are bust <laughs> for better or for worse. Here we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I also had Braves Cardinals in this series, so obviously I'm going to go with the Braves who I had uh, facing the Dodgers in the NLCS. Uh, so, um, what's interesting though is I shared that that bracket that we did, that we did now share with you guys, but I also shared it publicly on some social media. And and I had this buddy of mine who's a big Philly guy. He, you know, he walked up to me in the scar bar and really gave me the business for not giving his Phillies a chance in hell of doing anything. Uh, I'm still not really giving them a chance in hell, but hey, you know, if they can steal another one here, Atlanta's certainly in the hurt locker. So, we shall see. All right, so I am going to mention, um, unfortunately, as much as I, 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 I've been really trying to stay away from what happened yesterday but in, uh, in Houston, uh, but that is obviously the series that I'm watching closely is Mariners-Astros. And I really, I really thought that, not necessarily because of the bye, but I really thought that coming into this series that the Mariners had a much better shot than anyone was really giving them credit for. You know, I, I thought, you know, if, if they could steal just one from Verlander, the way their pitching would match up the rest of the series, I thought they had a shot. And they came <coughs> very close to doing that last night. In fact, for roughly, what, seven and a half innings, they were there. They were they were clutching that, that victory away from Verlander and the Astros in game one just to absolutely implode. And I mean implode as a bullpen. And I, I, I don't know what else you do. If you're the Mariners when, you know, at the end of that game, I mean, I, I, there's no place to put people when they're, when they're at the plate, even though they hit the ball a country mile. So I, I'm not sure what, as a manager, what you could have done differently in that game. I mean, that was just that was just you know, a blown lead. Uh, so I, I'm not as confident, obviously, as I was going into this series. Um, that the Mariners can do this, uh, mainly because, I mean, I think we can all, we, we've all seen this, what happens, particularly in baseball. When you have a loss like that, how it can linger over the rest of the series, whether it's whether there's one game left in the series or if it's just game one of the series, something like that can linger. And, Samantha, that's where I'm concerned about the Mariners right now. Yeah, I think you got it exactly right. That's my concern as well. A loss like that is going to linger in a way that the first loss for, say, Cleveland or Atlanta isn't. Like, that kind of loss sticks with you. Like, just losing a baseball game, disappointing, you can move on. It's part of the job. Everybody knows how it goes. But something like that, that is so painful. And it's hard to bounce back from that. And I I don't blame them. I mean, they, they must be crushed. I would be crushed. And... The Mariners, too, and this kind of feeds into why I made the pick I made and sort of how we're worried about this series going. It's like, on one hand, you think the Mariners came in really hot for the postseason. So we love hot teams in, in baseball's postseason. It's, it's generally something that helps you a lot and that they have fared relatively well against the trash cans this season. So we're thinking, okay, okay, maybe the Mariners can do this. But... I also would like to present as evidence for the counter argument, Mariners in the postseason. Like, 
how's that gone historically? I mean, they haven't been there in 20 years. The last time right. they got there, they won more games than anybody else in baseball, and then they crapped out in the first round. And when they were there pretty consistently in the late 90s, they did not equip themselves well then either. Even when they were the favorites, they did not perform well. So I, I don't you know, know that there's like a postseason curse on the Mariners, but like there's kind of a postseason curse on the Mariners. you know. So that's not helpful. And man, like that game yesterday, I mean, to just Berlander was horrible. I just did it again. That game on Tuesday, Verlander was horrible. Right? He looked absolutely awful. It was one of the most encouraging things we thought. I thought, oh man, the Mariners are going to, like that would have been crushing, I think, for the trash cans to, to just get lit up like that in game one. But they came back on him. And that's the thing you got to watch. I mean, we, we have something called the Dale Rule, if you're new around here, where that my dad established a long time ago, where he said the most he'd ever seen anybody come back was an 11-run lead. So then the rule became you need to score 11 to feel like somebody can't come back on you. We call it the Dale rule. And they didn't have an 11-run lead. And guess what? <laughs> Trash cans, man. Like, <laughs> they can do that. Um, so really, really painful loss, I think, for, for Seattle in game one. I think it's going to be very hard to come back from that. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's again, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very concerned about the Mariners now. And, and like, 24 hours, well, 28 hours ago, I was fairly confident. I was really feeling that Mariners pick. Uh, I am no longer as confident. Irby, how about you? I, I, I reiterate what you guys are saying. This is this is the difference between a team that is opening their window, well, hopefully for them, opening their window and getting here for the first time and experiencing this all, and a team that's been here before. Um, and, and been here multiple times and, and gone this deep and deeper each of the last five years. Like, this is, this is bad for Seattle because you have, you know, what, what, what you ended the Toronto series with where you did this, you did this to Toronto to KO punch them in a game that they should have won and forced a game three. You did this, and you're riding high. You have that amazing momentum, and you've got a series win and all that, and then to do this. Um, and it's, yeah, it, 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 without... Touching too much, like I said, it's a huge gut punch. It will stick with you. Um, the fortunate thing is the starting pitchers that you have and, and, and that Logan Gilbert can get right. You know, those, those things are in your favor. I still believe Seattle has the team that can do this. But Houston is a different team in October. They've proven that each of the last five years. And you just – Seattle beat Justin Verlander, and that's the most difficult thing here. They beat Justin Verlander but the team didn't get the win, and it doesn't, doesn't go in a win. So I, now you've got to win three or four, and one of those will be against Justin again. So just, yeah, not, not, not putting yourself in the best spot. <laughs> no, 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 they haven't. Okay, uh, let's, let's pick this. I, of course, as, as I've said um, uh, throughout, this, throughout this little segment here, that I, that I had the Mariners at the beginning, and obviously I'm going to keep, keep that, that, uh, that pick. So, Samantha, how about you? I think the trash cans here, I don't trust the Mariners pretty much ever. Um, they were actually not my favorite of the remaining teams to take out the trash cans, so I think that's going to come down to whoever survives Cleveland or New York is going to be responsible for that. I, I did pick the trash cans to win this one, but guys, I would be so happy to be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> I really, really hope to be wrong. I've never wanted to be right more in my life. Uh, Irby, how about <laughs> you? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I had Toronto coming out of this, and since Toronto 
like my picks, very much Alex Rodriguez this. You know, do great in the regular season and then just don't even show up in October. <laughs> um, so, on that theory, I'm going to, you know, since I get the free picker, I'm going to pick Houston just in hopes that I'll continue my streak of bad picks. Great. Now I'm going to have Alex Rodriguez reaching out to me for his royalties because you used his name like he didn't make enough money as a player. Thanks a lot, Irby. All right. <clears throat> There's one more we haven't talked about. That is, of course, uh, the Dodgers and the Padres. Uh, I had the Mets facing the Dodgers, so um, obviously I'm going to pick the Dodgers. Uh, I don't know what, Samantha, we could say about a, a, a playoff series between these two that hasn't been said ad nauseum for a while now. Um, but, hey, maybe, maybe you got something new. You got a fresh take here on, on what to expect. No, I, I actually don't have much to say about this one either. Um, I had the Mets coming out as well. Um, Mets of the Mets, first Mets of the West. Who knows? But either way, um, I, th- this is a terrible matchup for the Padres. It just acquitted themselves horribly against the Dodgers this season. I don't really believe they even deserve to be here at this point, and I don't get mad at any Padres people. Like I don't have anything against the Padres. I just think they're kind of a mess. And they, they hung in there pretty well in game one, and we're going to see game two tonight, so okay, maybe they'll make it interesting, but this is probably the most lopsided of the four series that yeah. remain to me, so I just I think this is going to be a sweep. I mean, I'm giving away my pick here, so you know what? we'll just roll the picks up with this because we're we're running long here, but I don't need to say anything else about it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm taking the Dodgers, and I'm taking the Dodgers in three. Irby, <laughs> we, we all know how much you love an underdog. I, I do. I do. In many cases, and this is not one of them. <laughs> I, I picked the Dodgers since day one. I'm staying with that pick. Uh, I, you know, I had the Mets as well, just like you guys, but, uh, San Diego was the better team, got the job done and here they are. Who would have thought Trent Grisham would be the hero? Yeah, Matt, that makes sense. Um, but now I'm taking the Dodgers again. Uh, the Pally last night began is exactly why, uh, this is their best chance to win a game tonight or Wednesday night. And so best of luck to you, but no Dodgers in four at the worst. Yeah, I agree with Samantha. I've got Dodgers in three. I, I just don't. The the Padres have not been able to do anything against the Dodgers all season long. I don't know why it would suddenly change now because I, I just don't. I just don't see it. I I don't think that's going to happen. So, all right, that's our division series. Um, next week will of course be in League Championship Series, and we'll see. We'll see what the baseball landscape has for us. There. All right, let's move on. We've got a couple of NFL games we're going to look at for the upcoming upcoming slate of games. Uh, Samantha, let's start. This one's interesting to me. Um, Ravens at the Giants. The Giants, of course, coming off that big win in London against Green Bay. They're 4-1. and one. Uh, But they are, look, they're banged up at wide receiver. So this is really going to be Ravens versus the ground game. And I'm not just talking about Barkley. I mean, we've seen Daniel Jones for somehow defying the laws of physics, able to run 
and run at will sometimes in some of these games, even against good defenses, he's able to run the football by himself. So what are we expecting here with the Ravens versus that ground attack? Uh, I think, unfortunately for the Giants, uh, as much as they've been a sort of very, like, frisky, like, whoa, where did you guys come from? Um, I think the buck may stop here, and that's really more of a matchup issue than I'm not believing in the Giants, because anybody really believe in the Giants, but no. they've been a lot better than, than we expected, which I, I think is great. I, I love the Giants. I love Daniel Jones. I love Saquon. I'm glad Brian Dable is, is doing well in his uh, head coaching debut, but unfortunately... The Ravens, the, the weakness there is in the secondary, right? That's where they are banged up. And so that's not a great matchup for the Giants because they are banged up in the receiving core. Now, the Ravens' defense not really having a lot of problems stopping the ground game. And that's how the Giants have been winning football games. It's how they beat Green Bay a week ago. It's how they got themselves all the way to that, that lovely 4-1 record. But unfortunately, they've run into a matchup that just doesn't fit with what they've been able to do successfully, which probably doesn't bode well for them. So I'm going to ask Irby the same question here in a second, but I want to put you on the spot here. Who has more rushing yards, Barkley or Jones? In this game? In this game. Oh, I thought you were asking me to give you the stats on the season. I was like, oh, well, it's Barkley. Oh, um, I would have definitely got Irby for that. <laughs> no, I can answer that for you. It's Barkley. Um, but I believe that's the number one Russian offense in the entire NFL right now, actually, um, which is weird. But um, no, I don't. I still think it'll be Barkley, but I don't think that necessarily translates into points. Put it that way. <laughs> okay, Irby. Uh, same thoughts on this game, and the same question to you at the end of it: Who has more rushing yards, Barkley or Jones? Oh, jeez. Um... I probably Jones. I'm going to do that just to be different and say he's running for his life type situation, and that's why he gets more rushing yards. Is that, is that fair? Can I do that? That that work? It works uh, for me. Any objections? Works. Works for me. <laughs> well, you, but you would have to be making forward progress while running for your life. So. Oh, oh, forward progress. Log, I was just going to do. Are you just this. trying to log who logs more steps? Because if that's the case, I want to change my answer. Um, <laughs> yeah, I thought well, we yeah. were talking about actual positive yardage <laughs> as opposed to like who gets their 10,000 steps in. Okay, okay. who's going who, who's, who's to hack Daniel Jones's Fitbit? Okay, uh, that, that's the real question I need <laughs> It will be high numbers, whatever it is. It will definitely be high numbers. Um, yeah, that's that's funny. Um, look, I I don't know. I, I I like what the Giants are putting together here. Um, I'm I'm optimistic about what they can do, but but kind of like what you said, Samantha, and um, and this goes with the, along with the injuries and everything. This is going to feel like it's like the Ravens are going to take a piece out of the Chargers playbook. That uh, back look at Lamar's um, rookie year when they stacked in that playoff game when the Chargers basically stacked. I think it was 17 guys in the box. And just told Lamar, I dare you to throw it. And he couldn't. And they charged as he won that game. And so here it's going to be kind of the same thing. It's going to be, yeah, we're going to stop the running game. We're, we dare you guys to throw the ball. Uh, not optimistic you're going to do it. And you're not going to beat us through the air. And so that's that's the kind of game I see it happening. What Baltimore's going to do is dare you to beat us through the air. So, okay. You kind of alluded to this, Samantha. And I wanted to kind of you know, circle back to it in terms of the Giants and you know, I, I agree. I, I, I don't like four and one does seem 
It seems a little weird for this team to be four and one to me. I'm not saying it's soft, but I'm not saying it's that's something that I'm thinking is legit either. But why are they not terrible? Because everyone expected them to be last place, if not well, maybe not last place because the Commanders are equally as bad. It's just worse <laughs> than the Giants. Uh, even thought of being going into this season, but they were not going to be this good. They were not going to be tied with Dallas for second place in the NFC East. They weren't going to be a game behind the division leader at this point in the season. They were supposed to be, you know, maybe one win, maybe two wins. I mean, that's where we had the Giants, but they're obviously not there. So is this all Brian Dable? Like, has he come in and, and actually been everything that the Giants needed? You sold on him as a head coach in this league? Yes, although I don't think it's just Brian Daigle. Um, first of all, the Giants still have a lot of problems, you know, like you mentioned. Like, do we really think the Giants are as good as the Cowboys? Like, probably not, right? No. Like, <laughs> I, I feel like no. I, I feel very confident saying no. They are not. Um, they've also played a very tough KD schedule so far. So that's worth noting as well. Um, on the positive side, though, um, I think Brian Dable looks like a very legitimate head coach because he's making good in-game decisions, which is the thing I always harp on with new head coaches. Said this about Mike McDaniel as well. I said, wow, I'm really impressed with, well, now I guess I have to take that back because look what happened with Mike McDaniel. But if we're talking purely about football decisions, put it that way, non-injury-related decisions, since I've now introduced Mike McDaniel into this, who obviously made a terrifically bad decision that probably wasn't really even his decision. Yeah. Anyway. Brian Dable has done a tremendously good job at this, uh, which is rare uh, for new head coaches. That being said, I have always been a lot more sold on Daniel Jones than most people. It's not that I think he is the next Tom Brady or the next Aaron Rodgers or anything like that, but I think he is way better than than most people think that he is, and he just hasn't had the opportunities yet. He's always running for his life, and he, and he still is. You know, the Giants have a talent deficit, which is why we're not putting them in a class with Dallas and Philadelphia for sure, but... And, and Saquon Barkley is tremendously good. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy, but which is, and so far he has been, and, and he's been effective. This guy, there's never been a talent or productivity question with Barkley. It was always an availability and health question. And the good news is, is you know, he's been great. The bad news is they've been leaning on him like really heavily um, because they have a talent drain and now they have an injury issue in their receiving court. So Barkley probably putting more mileage on him than uh, is ideal, and I worry a little bit about the sustainability of that over the course of the season, but that's a big reason why they're performing better. I also think that they are better coached on the defensive side of the ball as well. The staff is getting more out of a not particularly talented roster, and it will be interesting to see what these guys can do once they have more say-so over who they've got on their team. But, yeah, I mean, are they a fraud? Like, of course they're a fraud at 4-1. and one. Of course they are. Like, this team isn't really going anywhere, but it's extremely promising, I think, for their future, which is great. All right, Irby, same question to you. What are you feeling about, about with these Giants and Brian Dable? I, it, it is, life is so much better than what it used to be. And, and, and for Giants fans, for, for ownership, front office, for Daniel Jones, you know, I mean, I, I want to, you know, we, we joke about the steps forward and all that, and I kind of make the joke of, like, he's getting 10,000 steps per series. But, uh, no, it is getting better. It's not fixed. It's not there yet, but it's getting a whole lot better. And you got an easier schedule, like you guys said. Um, I mean, it's been 
pretty easy so far. It gets easier, actually, if we keep looking at it. It's, it's a very favorable schedule for uh, how the teams are doing everything. So good news for the Giants. This is going to be one of those tough ones. But this is also one of those games where you really can find out how good you are. Because you are feeling, I mean, you lost to Dallas by seven. You're in that game. You're absolutely in that game. Dallas and Philly are about to go head-to-head. You know, if you could figure out a way to win this one, but these crazier things have happened in the NFL. I am not, I'm, not, I'm not about to stamp them as, the, you know, my new Jaguars. But uh, Brian Dable's not, not that bad of a gamble there. <laughs> I would just want to point out that, the, that Cooper Rush was the quarterback of the Cowboys when they barely lost by seven. And unlike other people, I am not going to elevate Cooper Rush to the status of demigod. So that's just either here. All right. Let's pick this one. Samantha, who do you have here? Ravens or Giants? Ravens. I mean, as underwhelming as they have been, um, like I said, it's a bad matchup for the Giants. So I think this is going to be low scoring and ugly, and the Ravens will come out on top. Irby, how about you? Yeah, I'd go Giants. Hopefully, Art, you know, all that. But yeah, I'm taking the Ravens here. Baltimore's just, I think it's just too much firepower. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm, I am also taking the Ravens. Okay, uh, we're at the big one. This was the one that ever, ever since the playoffs last year, this was the one that everyone circled on their calendar. We get round two of Bills and Chiefs. Hopefully, hopefully it's just you know the preamble. And we actually get you know the, the the big show here coming up in January. But this is what we have this week: Bills, Chiefs. Uh, Samantha, looking at these teams. Obviously, the Bills lost the game, so they're the ones that had to make the most adjustments, right? Like They're the ones that had it to come up to the Chiefs if they wanted to beat them this year. But you know, that being said, which one of these teams did make the adjustments? Was it the Bills because they had to? Or did the Chiefs also make some adjustments that they needed to make for, for uh, their next round with the Bills? Well, I think this game was so close when these teams met in the postseason. It was definitely a who has the ball last situation. And mm-hmm. the adjustments that the Bills made to go after the Chiefs actually happened not this offseason, but the previous offseason when they realized that they were pretty locked in for their division and then the goal became to start beating Kansas City. So I've talked about this on the show before, but if you're new here, you know, the Bills basically went in and Brandon Bean was interviewed about it and they started talking about that too high shell. But here's the thing. Tyreek Hill's not on the Chiefs anymore. And that's what that defense is designed to do, is stop guys like that. That's what that's for. So, okay, we've seen that Bills defense against Miami and mixed results. So now what you're talking about with the Chiefs, because what Andy Reid does well is sort of evolve as the personnel that he has evolves in terms of offensive schemes. So now it's Travis Kelsey all the time. Right? And even though Travis Kelsey has always been a big piece of that offense, he is the piece of that offense now. So the efficiency, I think, that, that Kansas City has shown with Kelsey, particularly in short yardage situations and near the end zone, I mean, I think what, he had like 28 yards and four touchdowns or something ridiculous like that a week ago. That's the thing that we're about to find out about the Bills is how well do you defend that like back shoulder fade like into the corner of the end zone which we haven't really seen the Bills go up against anything comparable to that 
yet this season. And I don't think there's any indication that they've necessarily made a personnel change. And they're also a little bit banged up at the secondary there. Do you remember that the Bills have injuries to the safeties, uh, which is probably going to be a problem here. So whatever you've done building-wise is maybe negated a little bit by the fact that you have injuries in sort of the exact area where I think uh, there should be some concern. But they've also, I think, improved overall as a team and, and as a defense. Just adding Von Miller, right, was huge for that. And they didn't really lose anybody who was terribly significant, at least in terms of this particular matchup, whereas Kansas City has actually regressed a little bit. So that's where you feel kind of good if you're Buffalo. I don't think Kansas City, especially on the defensive side of the ball, is particularly well-equipped at this point to deal with, essentially, Josh Allen to Gabe Davis or Josh Allen I, <laughs> to Stephon Diggs or any of that. They're, just, they're not built for that, right? But the question is, are we just going to get into another boat race now because of what's kind of happened with that Bills defense? And is it going to be like last guy with the ball again? So I know this is a very, very long answer, and I apologize for rambling endlessly, but I think this is sort of fascinating about how all the adjustments in the world won't do you a bit of good if the other team changes their strategy in terms of how they put points on the board, which is, I think, kind of where we're at with Buffalo here. Yeah, yeah, no, I absolutely I agree with you. Irby, same question. Who's made the adjustments they needed to make? Well, I, I the Bills made adjustments based upon, you know, playing a team like Kansas City for games like this. Not this game, the one in the postseason, the January matchup. They made those. Kansas City made the adjustments because they had to financially. And and I'm not saying, I mean, they, they had to move on from some of the pieces just so that you can afford to pay the guys that make the difference and score four touchdowns in one game, you know. So I, I this this one I I will enjoy this game. It will be fun. We won't don't need to put too much stock into it just because of where it's at. And um, the you know the last thing what I would say with the Bills is you know adjustments you make. It's real simple. Just make sure the clock is at zero when you score the go ahead field goal or touchdown. Don't give Mahomes any time left this time. That's about all you can do different. <laughs> What's funny is that what, what they leave, 13 seconds on the clock last time, and that was still too much time. Uh, that's that's not bad advice, but let's get into this one, Samantha. Um, obviously, somebody has to lose this thing, right? I mean, I, the odds of a tie, I, I don't feel like they're high, even though you can, you can make the argument that it's going to be, you know, the last quarterback standing in this one. So, in a way, yeah, they could just end up knotted at the end of this thing. But it's not likely. So one of them is going to win. One of them is going to lose. Who does the loss hurt more between these two? Yeah, I agree. They're not going to tie. Ties occur when people can't score, not when they can't stop the other team from (laughs) scoring. So, yeah, there's not going to be a tie. Um, Overtime potential, sure. But I'm sorry, what was the actual question? I'm so sorry, Doug. It really wrapped up in the idea, in the tie thing. (laughs) You know, that that happens. That that, that does. That happens. Uh, No, who does a loss hurt more here? Like, like Uh, one of them's going to lose. Who who does that loss hurt the most? 
Well, realistically, it probably doesn't hurt anyone all that badly. So I just want to throw all that out there right away. Like whoever, this is going to be a big deal, right? Whoever wins this, it's like they're going to the Super Bowl. And whoever loses this, it's going to be like, well, aren't you in trouble? Like, and it's like, it's not going to work that way. Like there's every chance that whoever wins this does not come out ahead if these teams meet in the postseason. So I want to put that out there first. But in terms of who it hurts more, you can make the argument either way. Um, going into the season, I would have said it was Kansas City purely based on record, but because that division is not nearly as competitive as we thought it was going to be. In fact, it's kind of awful. Um, I would almost turn more to the Bills. I think they have better teams in their division, so maybe it's not really about even the head ahead It's just about how does that affect your seeding, how does it affect your play within your division, and how does your record come out as a result of that. But that's really the only implication I think that this has, because I think that Unless somebody just gets embarrassed here, and I think the odds on that are incredibly bad, then I don't think there's a lot of carry over there. And there's probably not going to be a head-to-head tiebreaker situation between these two teams for seeding because I don't think the records are going to shake out that way based on strength of schedule. So unless somebody gets embarrassed, I think you can make an argument that that affects maybe the postseason matchup, then probably it doesn't really hurt either one of them. It's going to be one of those things that's going to get talked about way more than it should. But ultimately, yeah, if I have to pick somebody going to my head, I'm going to say Buffalo just because I think it has nothing to do with Kansas City and just the fact that, hey, any loss can impact their season in terms of record more than it likely will for the Chiefs. Herbie, same question. Who does the loss hurt more? Nobody. I, I, I just because of the point of the season, this is this is shoring yourself up. This is getting yourself ready. This is understanding what the opponent's doing. But you're not really even going to understand that. We've seen how teams this early in the season how they can change throughout the year. Um, I, I, you know, I, I will follow if you, if you, you know, you're going to make me make a decision. I'll say the Bills just because of the same thing Smith said about the divisions. Um, although I don't understand that, you know, the Chiefs' divisional opponents in the first half are pretty awesome. That's that's the first half though only. Second half, not so. <laughs> you know, I mean, but no, I, I don't I don't think a loss here. It's it's this is this is this is understanding each other, how you're different, but this is also fine tuning yourself for that for that. Sorry, I said October. Stuck in baseball world. Stuck in baseball. You're fine tuning yourself for that game in January. You know, I mean, I, I look. I agree with both of you that I, I don't think it really hurts either team. Uh, I will say this though: I, I think there is something to be said that if it is Buffalo, if Buffalo loses again, I mean, how much does that creep into their minds going into into January that they still haven't beat the Chiefs? Whereas if if they are able to win, then they at least have that under their belt going into January. So for just from like a psychological standpoint, I think it does hurt the Bills more uh, than it does the Chiefs. But uh, again, it's not going to affect any postseason plans. They're, they're both going to the postseason. They're probably not going to tie Smith, as you said. Uh, so it's not going to make it in terms of like the seeding and the playoffs. But I think the psychological factor does tell me that Buffalo would hurt more from this loss. Uh, anything else on this before we pick on there, Samantha? Nope. All right. Who do you have then? Bills or Chiefs? You know, we, we've had so many lopsided matchups this year. This is the first one. It, it, we may have to flip a coin again. Yeah, I mean, and, that, and that's true. I mean, you could 
make an argument for either team here. I mean, it is a coin flip game, which is weird to say about two very good teams. But yeah, I don't know who's going to come out on top of this. So I'm just going to play the odds and say, look, I think if you really line up the rosters and you look at what they've done and what they're capable of doing, Buffalo is the better team. Doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win every matchup that they get into, but I don't have anything else to go on here because it's this is could go either way. So I'm just going to go with the more complete, more dominant, better team so far, and that is the Bills. Irby, how about you? Who do you have here? Oh, the winner is us, all of us, for getting to experience another one of these games. It's just as good. Um, so I no, um, Bills. I think Bills are the more complete team, the better team right now. Hold on a second. No, sorry. I, I just got, apparently before when I muted my mic, I hit it too hard. There's a ref just making me walk 15 yards back for roughing the passer right now. Apparently, I'm oh, being no. called for roughing the passer for muting oh, too hard. God. So, so I'll, I, I guess then uh, I will take the Chiefs then. There we go. Because these... every time you look at you look at Mahomes the wrong way, he's roughing the passer. So, God, these, yeah. you know, God, these referees, you know, like like they gotta they gotta put a stop to this. Not everything you can, you can't touch the air around a mute button without getting called for roughing the mute button. I mean, this is ridiculous. So I don't know. Let's. <laughs> ah, okay, I am also going to take the Bills. I like the Bills here. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, Smith, I think the Bills are going to be ones that want it more. Bottom line, I think they're going to be the ones that want it more, and that's why they're going to get it. I think that's a valid point for this one. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I agree with you. I think it means more to them. Yeah, it's really the only way I can pick this. Okay, so that wraps up our NFL preview for this week. Uh, we have one thing left on the agenda. That is, of course, our... Favorite segment of the night. That's why we put it at the end. We like to go off into the sunset on a nice, fun segment. So let's remember a trade. Samantha, what do you have for us tonight? All right. I think this one may be a bit familiar to those of you who have been around all season. We did mention this trade. Here's a little hint for you out front. We mentioned this trade in connection with another trade. Got a guy here who's been involved in a trade we've already done. This time around, however, we are going to July 2nd, 2009. So kind of a deadline deal. Um, if you want to classify it that way, it did happen in the month of July. And one of the teams involved in this trade is my Cleveland. We'll call them the Indians here because that was their name in 2009. I'm here for all the loopholes when it comes to the Indians and Guardians. Indians, whoever they are. Um, but here they are, the Indians, so we will be referring to them as such for the duration of this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, 2009, uh, how many teams? Two teams. Two teams. Deadline deal. Deadline-ish deal. 2009, refresh me, where were the Indians at there, Irby? Do you remember 2009? I if just because of how it's leading in, I'm, I'm thinking the Rangers and competition. This is not winning times in Cleveland, so I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that y'all are the seller. That yeah. Cleveland is the seller in this one. Okay, that's correct. Yeah, Cleveland and, made three trades during this particular okay. season right before the deadline. Was they were Sabathia? absolutely yeah. 
No. No, 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 no this is... is... That's much earlier. That's or, Well, I guess it's only one year earlier. It's 2008 is the Sabathia trade. Oh, right. Um, yeah, 2009 so. was his first year with the Yankees. He had just signed. That's right. Okay. Right. Okay. I, 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 I can know two of the trades. I know two of the ones. I can't remember the third one y'all did, so... Yeah, it's not the third one. The third one is Ryan Garko to the Okay, team. yeah. It's not that one. Um, no, uh, so that definitely wasn't thinking of Ryan Garko. Wow, Ryan Garko. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not Ryan Garko. I wonder what he's up to these days. Um, <laughs> spoiler alert, we will not be doing a Ryan Garko trade um, in <laughs> the remaining Let's Remember Some Trade. Uh, just throwing that out there. Um, but yeah, there are, there are two here. You were right, Irby. There are two. They both involve a, a significant sale on Cleveland's end and also significant return to Cleveland, which will go on and, and help them positively in the future. So, I mean, I guess I'm not really giving you a hint, am I? Because if you know the two trades, that applies to both of them. And I'm not willing to give you any more information just yet, unless you ask. So, um, it wasn't. No, I get. It wasn't Cliff Lee, right? <laughs> that was an off-season deal. I don't know. Was it Cliff Lee? Cliff Lee was. The, Cliff Lee was not an off-season deal. That that was, that, that was one of these two. No. Uh no, that comes later. That comes. Oh. In 2010, uh. actually, um, that would be quickly going from Philly to Seattle in 2010. This is 2009. Yeah. So oh. you can ask yourself: Is this the quickly trade? That is one of the two possible. This is one of the two possibilities that we have here. Um, <laughs> Man. I know the returns for that one better, so I'm hoping it's that one. I don't know the. Re- I know one of the returns to the other one. Um, but not the well, unless it was just one for one. Um, okay, let's <laughs> let's let's pretend. Let's is this the is this the Cliff Lee to Philadelphia trade? Yes, this is the Cliff Lee okay. trade. So you, you got lucky, Irby. Um, <laughs> because he knows a lot more about the return on this one. By the way, the the other trade, the one that he's referring to, and we'll go ahead and expose that here because we're not going to use this one. Um, and let's remember some trades. We, we've had enough uh, DMs for the year, I think, in this segment. So, yeah, the other one he's talking about is Victor Martinez. That's the trade that brings Justin Masterson um, from yeah. Boston. to. Is there anything else in that one? Like, yeah, that's the only yeah, there's a couple, but they're not anything. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Okay. You're going to have a better handle on the return on this one. Like, I bet you can get all of them, um, or I bet you can at least get oh. three of them. Put it that way. Um, I think you can get three mm. of them. We'll see if you can get all four. Um, but and remember, Ooh. there's another piece uh, headed in Philly's direction in this one as well. Mm-hmm. This is the Cliff Lee trade. So this is the year, obviously, that Cleveland uh, really, really sold heavily. It was a very, very sad and dark year. Um, I was at Jacobs Field the day of the Victor Martinez trade, and they were giving away Victor Martinez bobbleheads that day. <laughs> um, we oh. left ours under the seat Ooh. for two hours while we went and wandered around the ballpark, and when we came back, it was still there. Um, so, dark times. Is it still there today? <laughs> it's probably still there today. Um, <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> in the right. Yeah, guys, um, if anybody has these were our, our former season ticket seats, so probably going to another season ticket holder now, um, right along the bullpen in the right field reserve in the first row next to the bullpen. 
<laughs> you know, I guess, you know what, it's not the bullpen anymore now. It's uh, There's a bar there now. But uh, if you go look at the last seat on the left over there, there might be a Victor Martinez bottle left underneath there. <laughs> Please let me know if you find it. Uh, <laughs> could still be there. What is it, 13 years later? 12 years later? Um, I don't know. Many, many years. Can't do math anymore. It's too late. Um, but anyway, yes, Cliff Lee. Um, unfortunately, Cleveland's... Yeah, could not pay him, uh, sent him packing. Uh, you know, he, he goes on some interesting adventures later. And, and this is, by the way, we did discuss this trade um, when we did the Ray Halliday, or excuse me, Roy Halliday trade, um, because mm-hmm. this is the one that happened. And they like back to back. They happened almost immediately, one after another, which is sort of strange. Or I'm sorry, that's the, um, I'm mixing that up with the, Cliffley gets sent to Seattle. Um the night after Philly trades for Halliday. So he didn't stay in Philly long. He does go back there eventually in 2011, but this is a very short stay for him. So factor that into, I guess, when you decide at the end, when you have all the pieces who won this trade, um, is that Cliffley was there for, I don't know, like seven months, maybe. (laughs) Kind of rough. (laughs) Okay, Irby, you, you, I, you, I'm going with you on this one. You said you had the pieces. You knew that you, you knew at least most of the pieces. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna take your lead. I never said I had the pieces. I got pieces to the puzzle. <laughs> I, don't, I, I do know of the other player going to Philadelphia, and I know of I, I know of one coming back for certain. Um, I think I know of a second one coming back. But you're saying there's more, or is it just those two? Please say there's well, there's four of them actually. Oh, in Cleveland. Um, yeah. I'm assuming the one that you know. This would not have been considered the centerpiece of the trade at the time, but it definitely ended up being the centerpiece of the trade. Um, and because this is a person who's still active in Major League Baseball, is the only person involved in this trade who's yep. actually still playing. So that's the one you know, right? So yeah, if you're if you're an Indians fan, you probably think of this as the centerpiece of the trade, although it actually wasn't at the time. Um, this was not the big piece coming back to Cleveland, uh, even though ultimately this person ended up being the biggest contributor um, from this trade to Cleveland. So putting that out there as well, um, Irby. I tell you what, let's knock out the Philly side of this first. So tell everybody who the other guy is that went to Philly in this trade. It's a right-handed outfielder. I'll just give everybody that um, kind of a journeyman type. Uh, <laughs> we we liked him in Cleveland, but I don't think it was too tough to to see him go there. He hung around baseball for a while, so I think I've uh, vamped enough there that I've uh, given everybody a chance. If you're going to get it, you probably got it by now, Irby. Tell them who it is. Um, I can remember vaguely remember him in a Indians uniform, and I can remember him in a Phillies uniform, but. Assuming by the, what you said, there's other teams. I cannot remember Ben Francisco in any other uniforms. Well, we, don't you worry. We will do a where else did they go. Okay, good. <laughs> where were they now at the end of the segment, as we always do. Uh, but, yes, that is one. Ben Francisco, alongside Cliff Lee, went to Philadelphia. Uh, now, let's attack this other side of it. So, coming back to Cleveland... Let's start with the piece that Irby's referring to, that that one that ended up being the big return for Cleveland, even though it wasn't intended to be. 
So um, this person is still in Major League Baseball. Uh, he is no longer with the Indians, or I guess now in that context, I have to say the Guardians. Uh, but he was with them for a pretty long time. He, I, I will tell you this. Um, all of the players who Cleveland got in this trade were minor leaguers at the time. Um, this person has been in the majors with Cleveland uh, since 2009, and he was traded in 2021, the very beginning of 21. Um, so does that help you out there, Bo, or folks at home, or do we need Irby to, to tell us who this guy is? Yeah, I'm gonna need Irby. I don't. I don't. I can't speak for everyone listening at home. But right, Irby. I'm gonna need Irby on this one. Tell him. Uh, that would be. I, I want to throw a joke in there, but but it's too obvious. If I if I, if I call him by his nickname, that that would be Carlos Carrasco that we're talking about. Yes, <laughs> Cookie Carrasco. Yeah, who was actually not intended to be the big piece in this trade. Although I, if I'm remembering correctly, I think we were pretty pleased with with getting him, certainly, but he was not the centerpiece on this one. Interestingly, the centerpiece of this trade never threw a pitch in the major. <laughs> so that worked out great for Cleveland. Mm -hmm. uh, Just like Justin Thompson. So, but he was a very well-known prospect at the time. Um, I remember talking about it to a friend who was a Philly fan at the time who was very, very upset um, about passing him on to us and then everybody being all excited about how this was going to be the next Cleveland Ace. And I'm going to go ahead and give you guys this one. Guardians fans, you probably know it. Uh, everybody else, I don't know why you would know this since he never actually made it to the majors, but highly regarded prospect at the time. One, Jason Knapp, right-handed pitcher, who was the class of the Philly farm system, and unfortunately, he suffered a number of shoulder injuries that caused Cleveland uh, to end up releasing him uh, before he ever even made it to the majors. And he did spend some time with Texas as well. Yeah. Um, I, I think they had him in. But not, but not with the Rangers, right? No, no, he, never, no okay. he was in uh, Myrtle Beach. So that's yeah. Ohio, okay. I think. So, yeah. yeah, he was in Myrtle Beach. So, uh, unfortunately, that was as far as he got, and he's obviously out of baseball. But he was the original centerpiece of this trade, which is beyond bizarre when you look at how it turned out because the other three went on to, to log a good amount of time um, with the Indians. So the other two dudes, um, Guardians fans who are listening to this, I'm sure you know exactly who they are. We suffered through several years of watching these two bozos out there on our team. These, these are not anybody's favorite. Like I said, these were dark, dark times for the Indians. This was a very, very bad phase. I, I hate to complain because for most of my life, except when I was a little kid, my team has been quite good and is almost always competitive, but there were a couple of years in there where things got really, really ugly um, after the Sabathia trade. There was a, a big teardown, and, and we were looking at guys like um, Irby. Do you want to take a, a shot at either of these or... Do you guys just want me to tell you since we're running pretty long on this show? I, I have one name, and it's just because I'm, I've am i always been a, a, a big fan of my catchers. Yeah, you know. And, 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 and you I, know. This is the one I, I thought you might get. Okay, good, good. Is it, is it Lou Marston? Yeah, good job. Oh, yes. Irby, well done. Yeah, Didn't I, do much of the majors, but uh, I do remember Lou Marston a few times. Yeah, yeah, great guy. Um, good, really good dude. Um, not a great 
player. Um, but but yeah, as our, our resident um, catcher expert, I thought maybe we could get that one out of you. Now the other dude, utility infielder, played a lot of second, played a lot of shortstop, um, has a very similar name to another person who played that role for the Indians. Uh, that person would be John McDonald, and this person has almost the same last name, if that helps you. Does that help you? No. Same first initial, almost same. the same last name, just take the Scottish part. So take the Mick off? So yeah, Donald? Take, out the, take off the Scottish part. Um, first, first, what was the other part? First, same first name? Same first J initial. Same first initial, not the same first J name. The same first initial. Oh. Well, now I'm just running through all the, like, no, Jimmy, I'm running through all the J names. Jimmy doesn't yeah, not, sound right. Not, no, Jimmy, James. Um, same first name as um, a former Cowboys coach that no, that Jason, no one likes. Uh, Jimmy, oh, it is. <laughs> Jason, okay, that, does, that name does sound familiar. There you go. That does. There you go. All right, good job, guys. All right, so we have the whole trade now. Um, you know it's like fumbling <laughs> past the first down marker and falling on it. Oh, I got the first down. Yeah, you did. Hey, I think you did very, very well, considering. <laughs> you know what, though? <laughs> that you know what's sad is when you said the Cowboys. I immediately went to to Wade Phillips. I don't know why I did that. I, I'm a little. I immediately went to Jason Garrett. I, I, I got nothing to do with this. Talk. I'm a little concerned. Yeah, Jason Garrett was right. That's what I was looking for. Jason Garrett. Right, um. but I went to Wade Phillips. I, I'm, I, why did I immediately go to Wade Phillips? Wade Phillips. I yeah. I, Wade. Wade I does know. not start with a J. So, so. I, again, I don't know why I went there, but I did. Wade Donald. This feels like oh. a. This feels like a fun off-season thing. Just like say something like Cowboys coach, and just see what first name we say first. Oh, yeah, you know we could do a free association segment at some point. What could go wrong with that? Obviously, um, yeah. Wade. Um, Bo might bring up Wade Phillips again, um, or he might bring really up destroyed. like Chan Daly or Barry Switzer. Um, <laughs> okay, so um, just to close the book on this trade. Um, Cliff Lee, uh, originally an Expos player, came over to Cleveland uh, in the same trade that brought in Grady Sizemore. So that was a nice little haul for Cleveland. He won a Cy Young for them in 2008. He was traded to Philly, of course, here in 2009. Philly immediately flips him to Seattle in 2010. Uh, he was then traded to Texas again in 2010 as a rental. And then he comes back to Philly for the rest of his career from 2011 to 2014. He did actually sign up contract. Uh, that was intended to run much longer than that. And then there was a sort of a strange situation where he essentially informed the team, like, guess what? I'm not coming back. And nobody really knows what he's up to. Uh, he was clearly not a guy who wanted to stay in the baseball world. I heard he plays a lot of online chess. Um, but that's really all I know uh, about where Cliffley is at these days. I think he likes to fish also. So good for Cliffley. Uh, hope he's doing well. Ben Francisco uh, came up through Cleveland system. He was there from 2007 to 2009 in Philly from 2009 to 2011. He played for Toronto, Houston, and Tampa Bay in 2012. Very brief stint with the Yankees in 2013. Uh, in 2014, uh, he goes to the Lancaster Barnstormers in the Atlantic League. Uh, also in 2014, brief stint with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, but did not make it out of the minors there. And then in 2015, let's see if I can pronounce this, he went to the Mexican League to the 
Rioleros de Aguacalientes. Hot water, I guess. That's kind of a fun name for a team. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, he was hired as a scout by the Angels in 2016. Um, as far as I know, he's still there. Um, Angels folks, let us know. Uh, <laughs> we always say during the segment, we, we love to hear if you know what these guys are up to. I am, cannot confirm that he is still there. Uh, the only other thing that I know about what he's been up to is that he was inducted into the Buffalo Baseball Hall of Fame in 2022. So yes, Buffalo does in fact have their own Hall of Fame. And Ben Francisco did play for three years for the Buffalo Bisons, which was the Indians AAA team at that time while he was in their system. Jason Knapp, uh, released, as we said, in Cleveland by Cleveland in 2012 after her second shoulder surgery. Really, really disappointing prospect who didn't play out. He tried to make a comeback with Texas in a very brief stint in high A. That did not work out for him. He is out of baseball and his whereabouts are unknown. Uh, Carlos Carrasco uh, spent most of his career, of course, with Cleveland from 2009 to 2020. Uh, survived cancer uh, during that time. So pretty impressive comeback. Uh, was traded along with Francisco Lindor in 2021 to the New York Mets, where he is currently an active pitcher. So he is obviously still part of Major League Baseball. Uh, Jason Donald, 2010 to 2012 in Cleveland. Um, then went on to, let's see, Cincinnati, Kansas City, also, Texas. Oh, you were you were in possession of Jason Donald very briefly at one point. Uh, he did not get back to the majors with any of those teams. So, but at some point, you also um, <laughs> were a Jason Donald owner. You guys. Um, he's also weird trivia. The guy who, and I'm using air quotes when I say broke up the perfect game that was actually a perfect game uh, <laughs> by uh, Andre Scalaraga. Um, of the Detroit Tigers. Wait, that's not Andre Scalaraga, is it? It's the other Galarraga? Armando. 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 Thank you, not Andre Scalaraga. Armando Galarraga. Yes, See, that is a perfect guy game. got ripped off for a perfect game, and I can't even give him the right name. I'm trying to, to turn him into a, a late 90s power hitter. That's, that um, was but, more of a perfect game than a combined perfect game. Yes. I We have to, we have two rip-off. It's that one in the Harvey Haddock's game, the one where the, the poor dude threw 12 perfect innings and then lost it in the 13th, and we're not calling that a perfect game, like giving break. Um, ridiculous. I, at some point, I want to litigate that on this podcast. Um, but, yeah, uh, poor Galarraga got ripped off, and then the guy who did it was Jason Donald, so that's his big claim to fame. Uh, but, you know, guess what, guys? He's also out of the baseball world. He now sells agricultural packaging. I don't know what that means, but good for him. Uh, I hope that's going well for him. I don't really know what agricultural packaging is, but, you know, uh, we, we wish him the best. And then, of course, finally, catcher Lou Marson uh, started off in Philly. He was in Cleveland until 2013, uh, and that was the last uh, <laughs> he played. He retired after that, but um, he is currently managing the double a affiliate in salt lake for the angels and he's been there since 2019 so he's found a, a second life as a minor league manager so wish him all the best as well all right great trade agricultural packaging i'm gonna Google yeah that. does anybody know what that means like is it like putting a tractor in a bag like, I, I don't i, I <laughs> what would... that mean I, I, I don't know, but I'm going to Google it. Uh, Irby, anything you want to add to this one before we get out of here? I know the one that stuck with me was uh, Ben Francisco. Yeah, with the, the hot waters, the Mexican League's hot waters. I would hate to be the manager there because you're literally always in hot water. 
Oh, no, God. sorry. Time to go. Much of a dad. <laughs> and on that dad joke, uh, <laughs> it's time for us to say goodnight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, that is going to... That's going to do it for us. We're going to wrap it up on a dad joke, which I know Irby was gunning for that right there to close on a dad joke. All right. Until next week. Take a look at our, our, our show summary. You can look at our, you can see our Twitter handles. Maybe give us a like. Give us a, a subscription. Leave a review if you really like the show. Let us know what you think. Until next week, though, we're out of here. Watch some baseball, man. It's playoff time, and we are cranking. Something strange in your neighborhood. Who you gonna call?